Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, a man who's considering leaving Magic behind and just plucking away at that guitar with some <laughs> sweet vibes in his wonderful uh, jazz aesthetic office, my good buddy and producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy. Dude, how you doing? Good, man. Just laying out the Pat Matheny. Let's bring it on. By the way, we, we need to talk about this. I have two, this isn't necessarily jazz, I guess it's more blues, two Kenny Wayne Shepherd albums that I loved, like from the early 2000s. Yeah, man. And I know he did one where he like interviewed like blues legends, but I have not followed whatever happened to Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Do you know? I, I, Is he I, still around? I, I couldn't tell you anything about his story. I, I enjoyed Kenny Wayne Shepherd. I'll say that. <laughs> I don't, the music I know, the person I don't. Yeah, um, well... I hope we don't learn that he's, in fact, a horrible person <laughs> right. uh, after we check the Wikipedia after this show. But shout out to Kenny Wayne Shepherd's songs, right? Oh, yeah. Some good, some some good, good stuff. Blues rock. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, hey, we're a Magic the Gathering podcast. We've, I think, both kind of hit a, a burnout wall in terms of playing this week. We do want to talk a lot about Dominaria Remastered because I do think there is a lot to say. But... I do think it is, you know, just kind of on the fly. This isn't on the show notes. How do you manage the old MTG burnout, especially when, you know, you have to look at my ugly mug once a week and talk about it, Cameron. So, like, how's that going for you, man? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's highs and lows. I mean, like, this happens regardless. I mean, I just feel like right now my low with the format or with the game is pretty low. Um, But, like, you know, it goes through waves and... You know, this is where I just need to maybe put down the card game for a couple weeks, come back, and that's okay, right? Like, <laughs> even if you have yeah. a, a podcast, it, it's okay. Um, but anyway, this week, I I was really burnt out with Standard. I'm like, okay, Standard, standard is solved. Like, I am so sick of seeing the same three cards over and over and over. I know. I'll go to Explorer and play my tried and true blue-white control list, and lo and behold, it's the same three cards from black-red mid-range over and <laughs> over and over to the point where I was joking. I mean, I, I wasn't joking. I literally thought that I somehow was getting paired into, like, standard decks, other than, like, the lands being different. But, like, I mean, Blood Tithe Harvester into Fable of Mirror Breaker, Intel Shieldred, and it's like, why am I seeing this in this format? I mean, like, I think we're to a point where, like, we really need to address some of these cards. I, I, I want Fable and Mirror Breaker, see ya. Out the door, Pioneer, Historic, Explorer, and, and, and Standard. It's just, like, the card is just on a power level, quality level. Like, it does everything. It, it's, it's kind of the brainstorm of these formats right now as far as like what it's doing in enabling the black red decks. So anyway, Explorer seems like it's fine when I'm not playing against the black red matchups, <laughs> but I'm seeing it a lot. You know, like there's some mono green matchups, it's pretty good. There's like the Grease Fang decks, they're still pretty good, but like man dude, like I saw so much of the same stuff from Standard and it's just incredibly frustrating. Yeah, I will say this for Wizards. They're probably in a little bit of a rock and a hard place because they pr- almost certainly should have 
ban Fable the Mirror Breaker over Meat Hook Massacre. I think you'd have to be pretty rose-colored glasses to not think that that's the case at this stage. But Standard is so unpopular, or I should say, so diminished compared to what it used to be, um, that they're probably worried about pulling the trigger on that mm. uh, will impact the format moving forward. But I'm telling you, if they view it as a digital format, that card, I it is astonishing to me that it's stuck around this long. It is way, way too good of a standard card. And, you know, somebody once smarter than me, I can't remember who, wrote in an article that you can tell how good a card is based upon how much mana you're getting around, right? Mm, yeah. And Fable of the Mirror Breaker kind of fits in that... You know, Fires of Invention, Wilderness Reclamation kind of zone. It does it in a different phase of the game. But unchecked, you will generate, I mean, how much mana is draw to discard to? How much mana is creating a 2-2 that spits out a treasure token? that's a great... How much mana, you know, it's more than three. I'll tell you that. And when you can come out ahead on a card in mana, like that is usually the telltale sign that something's gone very wrong (laughs) and uh i just it's it's an obvious mistake that needs to go um and cameron i do want to say this man like because i think both you and i put the pressure on ourselves to do this it's not like Mm. you're going to come in and i'm going to be like you didn't play are you kidding me right now like that's not what's going to happen he actually would do that to me (laughs) And it is important to manage your like burnout and experience with arena. And like, I really struggled that with that, especially during COVID because there was like no stopping point. Yeah. yeah. There was nowhere ever to be, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it was literally my wife pulling me away and going, okay, bedtime. It's time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so there, there was that piece of it. Um, I think it's time to, uh, do some tabletop gaming. I mean, I know in your case, it's, um, it's some great guitar stuff, uh, you know, like, cause I, I don't know if you've picked out a new guitar for Christmas, Cameron, or Amp, or... Oh, there's what's always your something online, going? right? Yeah, there's always Yeah, something. yeah. There's always something, but I, I just know that, like, there's those other outlets, right? And, like, with my family, I'm going to be playing a ton of, like, Splendor, Carcassonne. We're yeah. going to hit all those so we can kind of... And I've never played Arkham Horror, but it got suggested to me <coughs> by a guy at the board game shop that it's a good co-op horror thing so maybe my teenage daughter and i can play it together you know yeah so anyway we're we're gonna spend some christmas time analog gaming and just getting our head out of me getting my head out of magic i'll also also be the first to admit that uh me my casual gaming is pokemon with my son right Mm -hmm. uh i don't i don't know that i'm playing it very well or playing the rule within the rules we kind of just casual it up to the cows come home and he tells me about every single Pokemon, and that's fine, you know? Yeah. So that's a way to disconnect. But, yeah, standard is is brutal. And I wrote, for me, I was just like, I went in. I played the Grixis Mirror one time. I was super not into it. Maybe I was online shopping for Flesh and Blood cards at the same time I was playing. <laughs> uh, and uh, just kind of dropped the match and said, you know what? I'm good. I'm waiting around for that Holiday Cube. I know a bunch of the cards got changed back from their <laughs> alchemy thing. So we'll see how many alchemy cards are in the holiday cube. That I'm sure I could find out. But um, I usually do cube drafts several times that week. Yeah. And kind of, kind of, you know, find my, again, 
our new our new uh, mantra: eat, pray, draft. Right, like that's where you need to be. Um, Brothers War, while I've liked as a draft set, and we've had really good, you know, really yeah. positive things yeah. to say about it. I still has not made me want to pop on Arena every night like Dominaria United did, um, which isn't a slight. Again, I think it was a really good draft set, but I don't know that I'm going to be firing it up, especially with the cost of drafts. Someone needs to explain this to me, but I remember in the past there would be two weeks and then the price of a draft would drastically drop. That doesn't seem to be happening anymore. <laughs> it seems like they're always 10,000 gold mm-hmm. and uh, or is it is it 1,500 gems? And yeah, you're like whatever, Curtis. It's all it's all play money to me. <laughs> but but the point is, is like when you do that and you only get to draft like twice a week, suddenly you know hitting a whiff and doing a you know one and three on a draft is a very costly ordeal, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, I do think there are some really positive things to talk about with Dominar Remastered. There's some concerning things. Let's just dig into it. Have you looked mm-hmm. at the spoiler? Were you aware of all this yet? Uh, I mean, I knew that it was coming, but I mean, I haven't looked at the spoiler until earlier today. Um, yeah, dude. I really, really, really want to draft this. <laughs> <laughs> so it is, first of all, I love that there are no planeswalkers in this set. I think that is such a cool touch. And and like again, getting it back in back into the feel of classic magic. I bet this is gonna like when you go through it, white feels like classic white. Blue yeah. feels like classic blue. In a lot of ways, this feels like a if they were to make a history of magic core set, this feels like what that is, right? And there's some great reprints. So first of all, Force of Will, I think, has been overdue for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just a ton of really great reprints. There's some reprints that I'm, I would say I'm not as in love with um, just because of kind of what they, what they do to the overall value. But now, give me your, give me your impression. So you're going to draft it. Yeah. Are you going to buy any of the singles, anything like that? Uh, I mean, no with the singles, um, but it is something that I, I would just show up to draft. I think this would just be a really fun draft night. It feels kind of like somebody's cube, <laughs> you know? It's like it's got some really interesting saucy things that um, I think will just make for a really fun night. Um, yeah, that being said, I, I mean, like, we should just talk about values of some of this stuff um because i'm just looking at here and like some of the things that they're reprinting i'm just like oh i don't know if we i don't know what this is going to do to like people's collections once again like it i it, it, it just seems like there's just so much coming out all the time like this is just one other thing that i'm very interested in but i'm also like like if i look at it from like just like the year long perspective of wizards it just seems like this is just maybe too much all at once. Yeah, and well, first of all, it's I, I believe this is three sets in three months, right? Or no, three sets in four months. Because Brothers War came out in November. This is coming out in the beginning of January. And then uh the the Phyrexian set is coming out in February. And again, this release pace 
is problematic because as someone who doesn't want to spend all my disposable income on Magic the Gathering and actually want to budge these things, I just think, oh, um, I guess I want to choose between, dra- like, do I buy a booster box of Dominaria Remastered? Do I buy a, uh, a couple draft boxes of Dominaria United? Wow, that's actually kind of confusing because you have two, you know. Um, but th- there's also, and, and this is a really hard thing to evaluate because I think people get into these buckets of we need to reprint everything into the ground so the game is super accessible and then only have these primo collectible things. Or we, you have people that are like reserveless, things should never be reprinted. Here's what I would, here's what I would submit to you, Cameron. It's okay to have an opinion in the middle. I know this is shocking, right? It does not make for good content. <laughs> I know. I got to be extreme. But, like, Force of Will went something like 20 years without a reprint. Yeah. That was kind of a bummer. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm happy it's here. It was in one of the, I think it was in Masters 25. It was in one in of the one other of the, Masters yeah. sets. Yeah. And so this feels right. But then there's this whole category of cards that, again, are in this one or like five to twenty dollar range that have kind of been getting printed into the ground. And again, I don't know how you manage that as a shop, but I did see because I, I talked about buy listing some cards recently, and I noticed a ton of the cards I buy listed, well maybe not a ton, some, were on in Dominaria remastered. And the values of, are gonna fall. And it was just like, wow. I I don't know. I mean I'm happy that I got rid of them. These are not expensive cards. But it's like now they've gone from buy listing for three, four, five dollars to twenty-five cents, or not at all. And I, I know it's this weird kind of nebulous thing to talk about, but it really feels like it evaporates the trade culture of Magic. Everything is either super premium, crazy expensive, or worthless. Mm-hmm. And that middle ground, which again I would argue is the bread and butter of a lot of people's collection. It really helps people trade up or trade down into things and creates that movement. I don't think we really will see that anymore. And maybe that's also a function of commander, modern pioneer being a thing that, you know, you kind of lock into a couple decks and then you just stay there. Um, but I, I guess I'm just, I have concerns on this kind of knee jerk level and maybe I shouldn't, maybe this set will be super limited and, this will get the stuff that commander players need into their hands. I don't know that I see anything here that I'm like, man, that's really going to impact, you know, legacy players collections or whatever, yeah. just because I don't know what they do, but all I, I know we're kind of down this, like I, I should say I'm down this tunnel of negativity about some of the macroeconomics of it. This does seem like a really cool set. Like I really want to play and open this, and it seems really well designed. So I don't want to be too off the chain here. Like, did you have any comments about that, Cameron? I'm sorry. I no, just... no. I, I, every, I mean, I think we're just echoing the same thing. Like, I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> the fact that there is a set with like storm cards, force of will, factor fiction. Like, I mean, we can go on and on and on with like, this is some great stuff to play. Um, but everything that you've said about just like the the, the smaller economical things. Um, you're right. Like, I mean, like, I mean, I haven't been to a large tournament, you know, in years now to know, like, what does like the binder grinder 
think of this. You know, like th- those people, like that's how they make maybe a little cash on the side or they're building, you know, certain collections. When when there's just this much product out, I I don't know. I just feel like it, it just feels so devalued in ways that I bums me out, honestly, really is what it comes down to. Yeah, and I also have that thing of like with so much of the competitive scene collapsing, like I op- let's say I open an old, old Border Force of Well, which here I'm going to click to see what that's actually worth. I would assume... Okay, so it's going to be 150 bucks is what the pre-sale rice price is, okay? Mm-hmm. So the old border force of will. I open that. Like, I don't know that that could go on eBay fast enough because I don't know exactly what I'm going to be doing with it otherwise because there's not an outlet for me to play with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and so I guess maybe that's where I'm going to be headed is being much more of a drafter and just liquidating for draft, um, which is which is cool, which is fine. Um a couple other quick points, just in case you're new to these cards. Um, this is this is like this is the strategy element of this discussion. Cameron, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Um, Maze of Ith, a creature can untap after it attacks, so be ready for that. Someone will untap their own creature after it's dealt damage, and yes, that is legal, right? Um, secondly, if you're in a draft, do not pass opposition. Okay, <laughs> that is a messed up Magic the Gathering card. You might not think so by looking at it. It does unacceptable things, and you would be foolish not to play it. Mm. So that's that's the strategy level I have for you. But even talk like doesn't that sound like cube? This is this just seems like a fun cube. <laughs> it really yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. Loving the split cards. I love some of the artwork. Loving the Jester Cap is you know back. Um, and, and by the way, the land suite is also very cool. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. there, there's yeah. just some really great stuff going on here. Um, yeah. yeah. Wow, Maze of Ith has really fallen in price. It's yeah. pre-selling for $10. <sighs> That's not right. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, I'm sure I'm going to get some message. You know that was an uncommon in the dark, right, Curtis? <laughs> yes, I do know that. Um, all right, so the other thing I want to mention is, hey... Two features. <laughs> this is like unintentionally a hilarious article. So, you know, there's your brother's war alchemy coming. Nobody cares. But uh, they have confirmed Nykthos. So green devotion headed your way, Cameron. Hmm. And maybe mono black devotion. That's probably more fringe playable. But, you know, if you want to dust off the gray merchants, your digital gray merchants, you could certainly do that. Yeah. And... We're fine. I mean, I know you've been screaming from the mountaintops. We're getting an inbox in Arena. It's about time. So many messages messages to sort through. I cannot wait to spam your inbox. (laughs) I love it. It will be nothing but cat pictures. Um, And, uh, you know, that's going to be our uh, primary way of uh, interacting. Hey, we were all right? trying to figure out what's after Twitter. MTG Arena Inbox. Oh, stop, dude. <laughs> stop. So, hey, just, just a couple other things with that explore. Uh, in, inbox jokes aside, um, you know, hey, we are getting uh, not just Nykthos. And we did mention Mutavault last time we talked. Mana Confluence. Yeah. Also... 
So that's a that's a pretty big deal for a lot of decks. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm hopeful that, that that will juice the format a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Cameron, holiday plan on some sweet holiday cube content. It's <laughs> what I look week. forward to every end of December. Yeah, yeah, right? All right, Cameron, let's get out of the segment, come back and talk about what else we've been up to. All right, Cameron, so here on our post-show notes, you just have written NASA. So are you coming on to report that the moon landing has not, in fact, happened, or where <laughs> no. are you at on that? Uh, super, super exciting. I just need to wax poetic about, like, where we are at right now with, like, things that are happening, and it's just awesome. That Artemis launch of the new rocket, I mean, we're going to get people on the moon again in like four more years. Uh, This is really exciting to me. Um, I don't know if I ever shared this with you. Uh, When I went to the National Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C., it was in 2019, so it's the 50th year anniversary of the uh, the Apollo 11 landing, and Mm -hmm. they had like a replica of the Eagle lander the full size of that thing and it was walking right into the entrance and when i saw that i like broke down and cried i don't know how hard it was like it was so emotionally like overwhelmingly overwhelming for me like huge thing like i'm a big space geek and whatnot but between that and what they've done with jwst the um james webb space telescope there's just some really exciting things. And um, if you haven't, this is my recommendation. Just go to that NASA website and just check out some of the images of like, I don't know. I've just been spending hours looking at just the variety of images from both the, the space telescope and from um, this Artemis launch. And just seeing everything in that perspective just, I don't know, creates just a, such a, a cool, I don't know sense of optimism for me um so anyway that's that's what i want to say is just i'm waxing poetic about nasa if you haven't paid attention to this stuff at all um do yourself a favor and just just look at that stuff and just see how how cool it is of just like scientific understanding engineering science like all of that stuff is just um i don't know it it gives you hope for the world i've been well dude I've been furiously Googling while you're talking because I can't come up with a guy's name. But to that point, I don't know if we've ever had this talk, but I went to a an educational conference and, um, and I very up until very recently, I was an engineering teacher, right? Mm-hmm. And a robotics coach. And the guy that was the keynote speaker was one of the project leads on Curiosity. Awesome. Yeah. And he gave a talk and it completely changed my perspective on how to teach engineering mm. and how to make it failure focused and how to make it test focused and things like that. Cause I mean, this is all not news to you, but I never, I did not know that you could only shoot at Mars every, every so many years because you had to be able to point at it and whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And them living with this firm deadline that if you miss, you like basically evaporate years of your life trying to do it again and anyway just going through that and it was just an incredible talk i would love to find a copy of it but it was in person like it was not like they played a ted talk or something this guy was actually there and he wasn't pushing a book or anything like that at least not then 
and it was super inspiring. And I hate motivational talks. <laughs> hate. Yeah. Okay. I hate programs. I hate personality tests. I hate acronyms. I hate all that. Okay. I'm the guy that got annoyed at my football coach for the halftime speech. Okay. <laughs> and anyway, because it, but the, the value of this talk was that it was so uh, practical. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just, it wasn't like a horoscope or something where it's like, if you want to work hard, then try hard or something just stupid and anecdotal like that that's written on the bottom of a coaching book, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I totally get it, dude. And and I would never pretend to be as much of a space nerd as you are. Um, but yeah, dude, that was a that was a big moment for me. That's so awesome. yeah. I'm there with you. Um. So a couple things. Number one, uh, I'm I'm getting ready to go to my third in a row week of flesh and blood constructed play. And Cameron, big breakthrough. I beat someone who was a more experienced player than me for the first time. That is awesome. Okay. They maybe didn't take it the best, but... They were super cool about it. It was just like, I think I front-loaded that I was such a noob at first, and mm -hmm. then, you know. Um, but I'm still on this, like, budget-ish list. I'm kind of, like I said, I'm, I'm going to use some of my Christmas money to buy some of the more expensive cards. Um, but learning that game has really... It's weird because it's made me distance myself from Magic in a way that's made me appreciate Magic a little bit more. Right, because there's certain mechanical things that maybe annoy me about Flesh and Blood that I'm like, oh, Magic actually did that part it's a little bit right. Yeah, yeah. And then there's some things about Flesh and Blood that I like like a lot better. Like for example, everything is best of one because you sideboard before the match. Like there's an open piece of information where you learn what your the deck your opponent is playing is. Interesting. And then you and then you sideboard right then and there, and then you play your one match. So everything is essentially post-board. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and the, I, it should be said, because there's no equivalent of land, the variance in terms of what your deck is meant to do doesn't really exist. Like, yes, you can have bad draws and all this, but your deck will still function basically no matter what. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, I've landed on this deck that is a very, very, very slow controlling deck. I know you're surprised to learn this shocker. Camera. Yeah. And uh, it's meant to grind your opponent out and very slowly kill them. So um, I know you're stunned. You're stunned <laughs> at this revelation. Uh, predominantly, all the cards have blue and white on the artwork, like so. Again, I don't know why this <laughs> happened. This is like just like a one offshoot of the universe I'm in right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like first of all, I don't think these things are mutually exclusive mutually exclusive and I'm really enjoying how the games inform one another. Right? And again, this is me anecdotally talking about Pokémon. Pokémon does a really bad job of correlating to magic because a person who doesn't understand the fundamental rules of card games made Pokémon. So there's just like there's just cards that's like, yeah, just zero, zero resources, draw three. Mm -hmm. You know, just draw three. You know, <laughs> and so Flesh and Blood is much more toned down in that way. But anyway, continuing to enjoy it. 
Um, there's some really good, especially Tularean Community College. He's done some really good videos on that front. Um, and I don't know, man. I'm really, I'm really excited for this next year and what they're going to do. But the thing I do want to mention the most is I'm 10 issues in um, to the current run of Amazing Spider-Man. Ooh, yeah. And it is awesome. I don't know if you've read any of them. It's Zeb Wells. People have been talking about it on various blogs. And I have two more issues behind me that I have to read. I was hoping to get to tonight, but I don't know if I will. Um, I think it's really special. Like, it's probably the best thing I've read of Spider-Man since that early run of Ultimate Spider-Man. And you really don't have to bring a lot of the current continuity to it. Um, but I think the the too-long-didn't-read version of it is they bought, brought Spider-Man back down from... You know, because he was like a tech billionaire. Yeah, he, yeah. Recently and all this. They brought him back down to an everyman. And he's having trouble paying his bills, has some trouble dealing with his ex-wife. All these things and, you know, struggling with a new job. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but there was this recent episode where kind of a Marvel cosmic crossover thing was going on. And they put in a little story about Spider-Man... And how he's grieving sti- still for Gwen. And it's a one-off issue that's just really well-written and well-illustrated and thoughtful. I don't know if a punch is thrown the whole time, right? But again, it's just this really thoughtful exploration of what Spider-Man is and what he's struggling with. And like, you know, how you talked about this with NASA. I always think like Spider-Man, while not my favorite comic book character of all time, because um, I think like I just love Batman way too much as a kid. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man helped me survive middle school because it just was an, a piece of information that says, hey, this thing that you are is not abnormal. It's okay to be bookish. It's okay to be mm-hmm. awkward. It's okay to struggle with your responsibilities. All those things, right? And really the everyman nature of Spider-Man I think is such a powerful part of that character. And really cool because it's they boiled it down to just this title right where unfortunately batman has reached the level that x-men was in like 1996 where now there's seven batman titles and three mm-hmm. mini series and you just can't keep up with it and i mean i like batman as a monthly book but it's just way below the quality of what i'd like um but yeah amazing spider-man if you're on marvel unlimited or you know you just want to check it out from your library i'm sure the first collection's probably done now because it's on issue ten or something, mm-hmm. but I've I I've just thought it's been wonderful. Good deal. I've got my uh, Marvel subscription coming up here in January that I'll renew and check it out then. So you'll like check out a few things, then power read through Uncanny X Men again, right? Isn't that something, your thing? yeah. I mean, I did what fifty issues of Fantastic Four over the summer, so <laughs> we'll probably do something like that again, dude. And and like, I I love just the physical thing, right? Of oh reading. yeah, yeah. But man, the Marvel Unlimited, you can freaking cook. Yeah. Like yeah. you can read so many comics. It, it, it's so, there, there's so much out there, and I don't feel guilty. Like, I mean, I still have not read the Frank Miller Daredevil run. It's like this giant hole of shame that I have, you know, but like, you know what? I can get to it whenever I want. It's totally okay. <laughs> I look over both shoulders. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> The Bendis run is like better. Oh, okay. I think the Bendis run is the best Daredevil run. 
Um, I loved that run. Uh, I mean, that and Captain America with Ed Brubaker were happening at the, the same Brubakers. time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that is yeah. as good as they get, buddy. <laughs> as good as they get. Anyway, if someone would like to get a hold of you and talk to you about Frank Miller's Daredevil, where can they find you? It's all on Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I'm at Curtis Nauer. Official show feed is at Spike Feed MTG. We'll check you guys next week.